I want you to take your Bibles as we prepare our hearts to go to the Word of God. It's been an exciting morning. We've worshiped. We've raised our hands. We've lifted our hands. We've clapped our hands. We've loved our brothers. It is impossible to say that you love God whom you have not seen and you don't love the person you see every day. Our faith is proven in our love and our ability to embrace and to care and to minister one for another. And it's in that spirit that we greet you this morning with Jesus' joy. Incidentally, First Lady sends her love. She, she's crazy about you. She's, she's missing you almost as much as she's missing me. Hi, girl. And she's going to be back with you soon, but she's out there helping Sarah with the baby, doing her mama stuff. All the mamas say amen. Ain't nothing like having your mother with you, right? <laughs> but I want you to get your Bible and go to Matthew chapter 15 and stand up on your feet for just a moment for the reading of God's word. <clears throat> you might be in a big crisis right now, the crisis of your life, the big one, the one that threatens to break your heart, the one that keeps you up at night, the one that gives you indigestion and takes away your appetite. The one that has you staring out of a dark window at two o'clock in the morning into a black night, thinking thoughts that nobody is awake to hear. But God cares about you. Your crisis, as big as it may seem, only takes a small move of God to set it in order. We are here because we know that God can do things that we cannot do. And there's no need for you to come here if you're going to still worry too. You've got to turn that thing over to the Lord and know that he that has begun a good work in you shall perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? Matthew 15, 21 introduces a very powerful story. It says, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. He didn't even speak. And his disciples came and beside him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You would think she would have left then. Then came she and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. Have you ever had a situation where you didn't even know what to say? You didn't know what to ask him to do? You didn't know whether to say give him a job or maybe they need to wait a while to take me up or take me in. You just to just, I don't know whether to, Lord, I don't know whether I need to change medication. Or I don't know what to ask you for. My situation is so complicated. All I can do is say, Lord, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. I may, I may, I may be a dog. I may be a dog, but all I need is a crumb. I don't want to take up much of your time. All I need is a crumb. Somebody say, all I need is a crumb. 
Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was what? Was made whole that very hour. My God, my God, my God. Because of what the mother said, the daughter was made whole. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe in my own life, I wouldn't be standing here today if it weren't for some of the things my mother said. She prayed me out of some stuff that I didn't think I could ever get out. Can I get a witness today? That praying mama thing is not to be belittled. That's some strong stuff right there. Say amen, somebody. <clears throat> I want to talk to you from the subject of crumb for a crisis. A crumb for a crisis. Look at the dimensions of the subject. Look at how small the crumb is in contrast to how big the crisis is. She said, my crisis is huge. I may not be eligible to get the whole loaf of bread, but if you could break a brother off a little crumb, a crumb of your power is big enough to handle the crisis I have in my life. A crumb, a crumb. Look at somebody say, all I need is a crumb, just a crumb. A crumb. You don't have to escort me to the front. You don't have to give me red carpet. You don't have to give me an entourage. You don't have to drop rose petals. I don't expect anything mighty. All I need is a crumb. A crumb will heal me. A crumb will deliver me. A crumb will open up a door, give me a job, make a way, bring me out of trouble. All I need is a crumb. You go ahead and take all the big stuff. You important people take the big stuff. But my faith in God is so strong that if if I can just get a crumb that falls from his table, I know I'll be made whole. Can I get a good amen? Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity that you've given me to share the word of God. I know that the flower fades and the grass withers, but the word of the Lord shall stand forever. I ask you, oh God, in the name of Jesus to speak to us today that we might have an encounter with you that outlasts this service that outlasts this moment, that strengthens us as we are all challenged with crisis. Greater is he that is in us than he that is after us. Bless us and we will be blessed. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. <clears throat> the only thing that's sure about life, you don't know from moment to moment, What's going to happen? You got plans this afternoon. You got plans for next week. You've got dates on your calendar that you think you're going to be at. But let me tell you something. You don't know whether you're going or not. One text can change the next 10 years of your life. An email can totally disrupt everything going on in your life. The only thing that's sure in life is that it will change. If it's bad, don't worry. It'll change. If it's going good, anchor yourself, don't worry, it'll change. The only thing definite is it change, and when change happens, crisis happens. They happen to good people, they happen to bad people, they happen to holy people, they happen to unholy people, they happen to attractive people, unattractive, wealthy, poor, you cannot escape it. Crisis comes to everybody's door. People have a tendency to think, oh, if I just had a good job, I wouldn't have any more problems. 
Single people think, oh, if I could just get married, if you would just send Lord, send my Boaz. And then when he sends your Boaz, you get down and say, Lord, send him back. Single people are in a crisis. Married people are in a crisis. Poor people think if I just had some money, I wouldn't have any problems at all. If I could just hit the lot, the lottery was real big. I don't know if it's still real big or not, but everybody's going bananas. People will never talk about the lottery. We're talking about if I could just hit the lottery, everything would be out. No, it wouldn't. All hell would break loose if you hit the lottery. Your crazy cousins would drive you nuts if you hit the lottery. You would just go from one kind of crisis to a, another kind of crisis. Nobody in this room escapes crisis. And a crisis will push you. A crisis, it's not a crisis. See, we can manage problems well. We're used to problems. We're used to problems every day. If you're mature and of sound mind, hallelujah, you're used to having problems. And you can handle problems within the context of your day. But when the problem becomes a crisis, a crisis is when a problem becomes so big that it disrupts your life. It is the problem you cannot ignore. It is the elephant in the middle of the room. It is the thing that you cannot get to leave your mind no matter how you try to push it out. It is a crisis. It is the kind of problem that takes your appetite away that takes the joy out of your laughter and the smile off of your face. And if it gets bad enough, you will tell yourself, I don't know if I will ever smile again. Now some of you have been blessed, you've never had to deal with that, but some of us know what it is to go through something so bad. Not only am I not smiling now, I wonder if I will ever Will I ever be happy again? Will I ever have joy again? Will I ever have peace again? That's not a problem, that's a crisis. You can live with the problem, but a crisis has got to have some resolution. Have you ever had a problem that got so big that you said, I just can't handle this. I can't cover it, I can't hide it, I can't smile over it. This is a crisis. That's what happened to this woman, this Greek woman whose daughter was grievously vexed with the devil. I don't know what that means. I don't know whether it was an emotional issue or a physical issue, how that evil manifested itself in her daughter's life, but I do know it had gotten so bad that she couldn't keep it in the house. Now, I admit I'm a few years older than some of you, younger than some too. Amen. <laughs> But I grew up in the day that our parents taught us what goes on in this house stays in this house. No matter what it was, good, bad, or ugly, you kept it at home. And if you didn't keep it at home, my mother had a, she had a hinge in her elbow that if you said the wrong thing at the wrong time, something would... It was before remote control, but I think she had a remote control somewhere in her right arm, you didn't even know what hit you. It was the kind of thing that happened so fast that you didn't cry at first. <laughs> you stood, and then in about two minutes, it took you a while to process that you had been assaulted 
Somebody knows what I'm talking about. I didn't even know when she did it. It didn't come with conversation. It didn't come with no negotiation. She didn't negotiate with you and say, now I'm going to give you an ice cream cone. It was none of that. It was, it was just like a bomb or she just dropped a bomb on you and kept on talking. That's the way I grew up. And when she said what goes on in this house stays in the house, but there is a level of a problem that won't stay in the house. Have you ever had a problem that got out of the house? More importantly, it will push you out of the house. The Bible said this woman came up the coast of Tyre and Sidon. She came out of her dwelling place, away from her home, out of her comfort zone. There are some problems that will push you out of your comfort zone. When things aren't really bad, you can still be cool. But when they get bad enough, you will leave the house trying to fix it. They called me the other day and they said, we need you to work with this woman. You got to stop everything and work with her right now. The woman is about to commit suicide. And she wants help and she wants help right now. And she's suicidal. And I asked them some crazy stuff. I said, does a breast stink? He said, we didn't notice anything. I said, is her hair cold? They said, yeah, her hair is cold. Is she wearing makeup? Let me go see. Yeah, she's got makeup. I said, she's not going to kill herself. <laughs> if you're going to kill yourself, you don't brush your teeth. Come on, use some common sense. You don't, you don't fix your hair when you're suicidal. I said, this may be a cry for help, but when you are really at your wit's end, you don't be I'm going to be pretty when I die. When you are really at your wit's end, all normalcy goes. What it was was a cry for help. Sometimes you have to cry for help just because you can't handle it anymore. This woman has left her comfort zone and she comes seeking Jesus. She's seeking him because she has heard that he is a deliverer. She is not a Jewish woman and Jesus has been moving primarily amongst his own culture and kind. She had to leave her cultural context to get what she needed. Some people will never get what they need because they won't leave home to get it. If the person helping you doesn't look like you, you can't receive help. If they don't vote like you, you can't receive help. If they don't dress like you, then you can't receive help. But this woman said, I don't care that he's not Greek. I don't care that he doesn't eat but weed. I don't care that he worships differently from me. I care that I get a miracle for my child. And whatever it takes to get a breakthrough, I'm willing to do it. It was not that Jesus came to her. She went to him. This contradicts how I was taught faith. Let me tell you how I was taught faith. <clears throat> they taught me like this. They said, uh, just wait on the Lord, brother. If the Lord means for you to have it, bless God, he'll give it to you. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So you just sit up somewhere and just wait. And so I would just be sitting. I would just be sitting. I would be sitting. I would just be sitting. Waiting on the Lord. I was waiting on the Lord like you're waiting at a bus stop for the bus to come. 
because they told me that what your real faith was proven by how long you could wait and how long you could suffer and how long you could grit your teeth and that sooner or later it might be right before you take your last breath the bus would turn the corner and the Lord would see about you but that's not what I believe today I know today that faith without works is dead you're not waiting on God God is waiting on you and if you want something from God you can't just sit around and wait on him to come by you gotta be radical enough to step out of your comfort zone and say whatever it takes whatever it takes whatever it takes I'm willing to do what I need to do this woman was radical. She left home to get it. She left the familiar to get it. She left her ordinary to get it. She left her community to get it. She left her neighborhood to get it. She left the people who spoke her language to get it. She climbed over cultural barriers, religious barriers, linguistical barriers she said I don't care what I got to do or what language I got to speak or what neighborhood I got to go in this woman traveling down dangerous roads came by herself because she said I got to have a touch from the Lord and what is after me is more dangerous than what's around me and I've been pushed have you ever had life push you I normally wouldn't do this, but life has pushed me. It's backed me in a corner. And she comes up the coast. Comes up the coast. Traveling. Just to see Jesus. I don't know how many miles she had to walk. Just to see Jesus. That's why when I hear people talk about, I would come to your church, but I don't want to have to walk through the parking lot. I think don't come. You don't want anything because when you really want something from the Lord, you will walk wherever you got to walk, go through whatever you got to go through, move whatever you got to move. Don't come. When you're really desperate for a touch from God, you will. Don't tell me that you'll walk across the parking lot to go see the Cowboys play and you won't walk across the parking lot to get a touch for your child. You're not in trouble. When you really get in trouble, you will go out of your way. Touch your neighbor and say, you got to go out of your way. You got to go out of your way. You got to go out of your way. If you're going to get healed, you got to go out of your way. If you're going to get a job, you got to go out of your way. If you're going to start a business, you got to go out of your way. If you're going to get up on your feet, you got to go out of your way. If you're going to fix a problem in your marriage, you got to go out of your way. If you're going to raise your child, you got to go out of your way. If you're going to get a touch from God, you got to go out of your way. She came all the way up the coast. And she came around the towns and over the hills and down through the ridges and climbed over the rocks and forded across the water to see Jesus. And when she came to Jesus, the loving Jesus, the saving Jesus, the healing Jesus, the delivering Jesus, 
the dead raising Jesus, the water walking Jesus. When she finally got to Jesus, got in close proximity where he could see her and where he could hear her, she cried unto him respectfully, Jesus, thou son of David, I'm not trying to be important. Have mercy on me. I'm not saying I deserve it, but have mercy on me. I'm not saying I always live right, but have mercy. Have you ever needed some mercy? Have mercy on me. Well, you see, Jesus, I've, I've been traveling all around the coast here, across the river, out of my country, away from my friends, because it's my daughter, Jesus. It's my daughter. I got a crisis in my house that drove me out of my house. It's my daughter. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil and the loving Jesus, the caring Jesus, the water walking Jesus, the miracle performing Jesus. This is what he said. He answered her, not a word. Now, let me tell you, as a pastor and a senior pastor and a high-profile person, I just go down the street grinning at people. Because if I don't go down the street grinning at people, they will say, I met your pastor and he's not nice at all. So you just got to run around just like you Barney Fife. Just wanna... I know when I pull out of my driveway, just grin it up. God forbid that you don't grin at people you don't even know. Jesus didn't smile or anything. He answered her, not a word. What do you do when you're having a crisis? And God says, not a word. What do you do when you're running out of time and God says not a word? What do you do when the cutoff notice is on the fifth and you're down to the fourth and God says not a word? What do you do when you didn't get what you thought you were going to get and you prayed about it and you listened and you waited and you watched and God said not a word? That's what I need you to teach, preacher. I don't need you to teach me how to react when God answers. I don't need you to tell me what to do when the miracle happens. I know what to do when the miracle happens. <laughs> Glory to God. What I'm trying to figure out is how do you survive when nothing happens at all? I want to talk a moment about surviving silence. I don't think I need to teach you what to do when the walls come tumbling down. When the two fish and five loaves of bread turns to a smorgasbord. Faith is proven in silence. In normal days. In periods when you feel like God is ignoring me. How could you be a loving God and see my crisis 
and answer me not a word. I was respectful. I call you by your messianic name, son of David. I was humble, have mercy on me. I was truthful. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. I was open, I exposed my secret. And once I was vulnerable, you said, not a word, but it did not stop this woman. Let me tell you something. If silence will stop you, you don't deserve success. If rejection will make you give up on your dream, you have not earned the right to have it. There is not one winner in here that hadn't been rejected at least 10 times before they got one thing to open up in their life. Can I get anybody that will bear witness that the boy is telling the truth? That you haven't had doors shut in your face. That you haven't had people hang up on you. That you haven't had people look at you like you were a fool when you told them what you believe. And if you'd have quit back then, you wouldn't be who you are right now. <laughs> but she kept on coming. She kept on coming. She said, maybe, maybe you didn't hear me. Lord, help me. Do something for me. Fix this for me. And then she got down and she started worshiping him. She started worshiping. Now this is the art of real worship. Anybody can worship when things are going well. But you have to be a real believer to have all hell breaking loose in your life and you still clap your hands and you still raise your hands. clap your hands and you still raise your hands and you still say God is good and you still say though he slayed me yet shall I trust him. You have to be a real worshiper to clap your hands and your child is sick. You have to be a real worshiper to praise your God and all hell is breaking loose. You have to be a real worshiper to lift him up and you lost your job. And you're two payments behind on your car payment, but you still got your hands up and say you're still able and you're still worthy to be praying. Do not know hell gets nervous when you praise God anyhow. Demons tremble when you praise God anyhow. Do you have any idea what God would do? with your crisis right now if you would worship him in spite of the crisis do you have any idea how god would move if you would worship him in the middle of trouble do you have any idea how god works when you say though he slay me yet shall i trust him
Touch your neighbor and say, excuse me, I got to worship God. <laughs> I got to worship God because I got a devil to fight. I got a devil to fight. I got something that's trying to take me out right now. I got a situation I'm dealing with right now. I got to worship God. You go ahead and be cute. I got to worship God. I need a breakthrough right now. I've got to worship God. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. The sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise. Anybody can praise him when everything's going right. But you have to be a soldier to praise him when all hell is breaking loose. I wish I had a worshiper. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, if you praise him right now, something will break loose in your house. If you praise him over here, God will move over there. Y'all didn't hear what I said. If you praise him over here, God will move over there. I give you three minutes to praise him right now. I give you two minutes to praise him right now. give you a minute and a half. I give you 60 seconds. I give you 32 seconds. I give you 18 seconds. praising God think you are praising God because you don't have any trouble but the reality is I'm praising God because I'm in all kind of trouble and if he doesn't get me out of trouble <laughs> I got to finish touch three people and tell them praise your way out Praise your way out. Smile your way out. Dance your way out. Leap your way out. Clap your way out. Run your way out. Shout your way out. My God. Oh, oh, I better stop. I better stop.
So you see, what? <laughs> I was, sit down, sit down. I was, I don't know why y'all keep jumping up like that, but uh. Jan, I was watching TV the other day, and I was watching one of those murder movies, and, and they were negotiating with a hostile takeover terrorist who was holding some hostages in a bank. And the negotiator, I thought he was trying to talk the man out of the building, but he really wasn't trying to talk him out of the building. He was just trying to stall him long enough <laughs> to get a breakthrough. This woman started praising God. It was a negotiation technique because she knew if anything would stop Jesus, it would be a praise. A complaint won't do it. Feeling sorry for yourself won't do it. But if you want to stop God in his tracks, I double dare you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, stall him, stall him, stall him, stall him. Stall him, stall him, stall him. I know he didn't say yeah, but at least he didn't say no. Stall him, stall him, stall him. I know you haven't got healed yet, but at least it hadn't got worse. Stall him, stall him, stall him in the hospital room. Stall him in the jail cell. I gotta quit, I feel like preaching this morning. Hallelujah, stall him. Touch your neighbor, say stall him. If you stall him, he'll heal your body. If you stall him, you'll get your breakthrough. If you stall him, you'll get his attention. And she, she just got done. She started worshiping. She started worshiping him. And you can tell, when you read the text, you can tell that, that if God had a weak spot, praise would be it. Because it's almost like he's arguing with himself now. He says, well, you know, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, stop. Don't make me bless you. You, you, you're not on my schedule. You don't have an appointment. I don't have time to go over there and deal with you. Stop. If you don't stop praising me, I'm gonna have to turn around and do something for you. If you I don't know who I'm preaching to. <laughs> but 
But if you don't stop praising God. So he says. And then he says. See, Jesus knows that his first responsibility was to come to his own. And she was not one of his. And he said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she kept doing that thing. She didn't, she didn't ask him for nothing. She just kept worshiping him. She didn't argue with him. She just kept worshiping him. And then it's like, like he's wrestling with himself. He said, it's not meat. It's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. He says, I, I fixed this bread for my children. And you came to see me about your child. You want me to take the bread that I was going to give? Notation. Healing is the children's bread. He says, this is right out of the oven. This is, this is hot bread. I'm getting ready to serve my kids and you want me to give my kids food to your kids' crisis? And, 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 and that should have ended it. But this crazy woman, I wish I had some crazy women this morning. See, in the world, being cute counts. But in the kingdom, being cute don't mean anything. You don't need to be cute, you need to be crazy. This woman said, I don't care what you say, I don't care how you look at me, I don't care what name you call me. She said, yeah, I'm a doll. Anybody else you call them a dog, they are out of that church. She said, yeah. Truth, Lord. I am a dog. She said, but even the dogs. <laughs> I, I love her. She wasn't, she wasn't trying to do like people do today. They, they try to be important. They try to come. Do you know who I know? Do you know who my father is? She didn't say no. She said, yeah, I'm a dog. But even the dogs can eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. In other words, she's talking about a custom that Jesus was well aware of. That in the Bible days, the master's dogs would get up under the table at dinner time. Some of them would sit in their laps, they were called lap dogs. And they would be in position. <laughs> They'd be just wagging the tail, they'd just be 
in possession. I know you didn't fix this food for me. I know you didn't have me in mind when you were breaking this bread. But I'm going to put myself in a position that any way you bless me, Lord, I will be satisfied. Don't y'all pull on me this morning because I feel something pushing me this morning. I feel something pushing me this morning. You have to put yourself in a position to be blessed. She said, I'll tell you what. I don't see no name tag on the dinner table for me. And maybe I'm not supposed to be here. And maybe you didn't have me in mind when you was cooking up your blessing. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to hang around here until something falls my way. I'm just going to get close enough that if something drops, I got it. <laughs> now, Being a baker myself, I understand the psychology of the crumb. <clears throat> See, if you're a baker, you can appreciate this. If you're baking a cake, and it's a pound cake, and you put a pound of butter in there and about two cups of sugar and blend it all together, till you can't tell the butter from the sugar. And then you start dropping in one egg at a time, beating after each egg. And you put your flavor in it. Come on, somebody. And you keep on beating it all the time. Until all of a sudden it's all mixed up together. The truth of the matter is, once you bake the cake, if you take a crumb from the cake and took it to the laboratory, a scientist could give you the recipe from the crumb because whatever's in the cake if you got eggs in the cake you got eggs in the crumb if you got sugar in the cake you got sugar in the crumbs y'all are here whatever is in the bread is in the crumb all I need She said, Jesus, you are so powerful. Go ahead and give the bread to your kid. Give the crumb to mine. Because everything that's in the bread As I hasten to a close today, that thing that looks so big to you, that crisis that's 
tormented you for weeks. You don't need him to drop the loaf. Our God is so powerful that if he drops you a if a crumb could heal every disease in your body. A crumb could straighten out a marriage that you're ready to throw your hands and walk away from. A crumb could build back a career where everybody said you'd never be nothing. All you need is a crumb. Here, I think, is the secret of the lap dog. One of it is always be positioned where the food is being served. You can't be fed in a dry place. You can't be fed in desolation. You can't be fed in depression. You have to get where the joy is, where the peace is, where the power is. Even though you aren't supposed to be there, just get in position. The second thing that the dog tells me is that you can't catch the crumb with your mouth closed. Have you ever noticed the first thing the enemy does is try to shut your mouth? Try to get you so low that you don't trust anybody, you don't talk to anybody, you don't say anything to anybody, you're just walking around with your mouth closed. The opening of the mouth is a sign of the expectation of the heart. When the mother bird flies back to the nest and all of the little birds are there with their mouth open, she already knows that every bird that has its mouth open is expecting something to be dropped into it. As long as you open your mouth, as long as you lift your head, as long as you shout unto God with the voice of triumph. See, you think the shouting is about what goes up. But it's not about what's going up. It's about what's coming. Because when praises go, blessings come. She said, all you got to do is let it fall. If you let it fall, I'll catch it. You don't have to serve it to me. You don't have to put it on a spoon to me. Just let it fall anywhere near me. I'll catch the crumb that falls from the master's table. <laughs> As a pastor, I've been preaching for next year will be 40 years. And Jennifer and I were talking downstairs. She said, this doesn't look like the churches in West Virginia. <laughs> I said, oh, no. The church in West Virginia was about this size. This little section right here, right? Just right here. Just back to you. That's it. That's the back row. <laughs> the door's over there and you're out. <laughs> you see, from that to this, for, for 40 years, I've seen people come 
I've seen them go. I've seen people stay. I've seen them leave. I've seen people say, you know, the Lord is leading me on. I've seen people say the Lord is leading me in. I don't worry about it either way. Because if I serve, if I got 12 kids and I serve all of them the same food and one of them gets skinny, the one thing I know for sure, it ain't the food. Because if the 11 are growing, it might be something wrong with that 12 one, but there's nothing wrong with this food. Because look at her, and look at him, and look at her, and look at her. And every time the devil tries to tell me that my ministry is in vain, that I'm wasting my time, that I spent my life doing nothing, I tell him, oh, devil, you're a liar. Look at him. Look at him. Look at her. Look at him right there. Look at that one right there. Look at that one right there. If there's anybody that's been blessed by the word, show some sign right there. If it brought you through a storm, if it held your mind together, Let me tell you the crazy thing about this text, and I dare you to read it when you get home. Two things. One, this woman did more with the crumb than the children did with the loaf. She did more with the crumb than the children did with the loaf. When you are desperate, you can take less and do more with it. I didn't have the opportunities that other people had. I didn't have the doors open that other people had. I didn't have the ways made that other people had made. All I had was every now and then, when it looked like I wasn't gonna make it, every now and then, when it looked like I was down to the wall, every now and then, when my enemy said he won't be back, every now and then, God broke me off a crumb. And every time he gave me a crumb, I took another step. And that's why I believe in crumbs. You go ahead and take the loaf, I'll take the crumb. Because everything that's in the loaf is in the crumb. There are two renderings of this text in the gospel. In the other rendering, I think it's Mark. Jesus says to the woman, because of what you said, I, your daughter is healed because of what you said. Right after she said, even the dogs can eat the crumbs, Jesus said, conversation is over. You're going to get your miracle. A miracle that I had not planned to give you. And I'm going to give it to you because of what you said. Because you understand who I am to the degree that you would wait on a crumb while my children ignore the loaf. He says, final point, I have not found so great a faith in all of Israel. There are two times in the New Testament that Jesus runs into shocking faith. The kind of faith he says that I have not found amongst all of these church folk. 
Both times Jesus applauds people about faith, neither one of them were church folks. <laughs> they were not the house of Israel. They were not in the synagogue. They were not covenant keepers. That's what Jesus meant when he called her a dog. He really wasn't calling her a dog. He meant she didn't have a covenant with him. That her being Greek, she was not of the house of Israel and she was not in covenant relationship with him. Every time, sometimes the people who had the least reason to have great faith showed the greatest faith. He said, I have not found so great a faith in all of Israel. I found it in the mouth of this woman who comes from an idolatrous background, a hedonistic background. A woman who did not understand church protocol or direction or anything at all. A woman who understood the chemistry of a crumb. She did not understand the theology of a God, but she understood the chemistry of a crumb. When God wants to get to you, he will reveal himself in something that you do understand in spite of what you don't understand. This one woman said something that affected her house. He said, because of what you said, your daughter is healed. Your daughter didn't get healed because of nothing she did, but because somebody interceded for her. I started Woman Art Loose almost 30 years ago. About 34 women in a Sunday school class ended up with 86,000 women in the Georgia Dome. Broke all records across the country, something I started teaching in a Sunday school class to hurting women. Sharing with them that you need to break your silence and connect with other women who have been through what you've been through. That you are better together than you are apart and that together you can survive anything. And I said it to them because whenever women come together in faith, the power of God moves. Watch this. This is why it's hard to get women to come together. Men were mentored to come together. We played sports together. We watched sports together. We played on teams together. We figured out how to get along with other guys who were different than us because we were on the same team. If you put on a blue t-shirt, you're on the team. If we're fighting the guys with no t-shirts, they're not on our team. We understood teamwork. The enemy doesn't want women to understand teamwork because he knows that when you connect, powerful things begin to happen. So he will make you dislike each other for crazy reasons because he knows that while you're saying she acts funny, she thinks she's something. I don't know, it's something about her. That may be the very person that God's going to use to release a blessing. Oh, y'all not gonna talk to me. Y'all not gonna talk to me. So what started 
with a handful of women ended up with thousands and thousands of women in the Georgia Dome. And what started as a self-published book ended up with millions of copies around the world trying to get you to connect. My simple point is this. This woman could intercede for her daughter because she was one from among them. She understood what her daughter stood to lose by not growing older. She loved her daughter. Her daughter was flesh of her flesh, bone of her bone. She would go to the limit for her child. You cannot pray for me if you do not love me. You cannot pray for me if you do not love me. You cannot pray for me. You cannot pray for me. You can say nice words with your head bowed, but you didn't pray for me. You can't pray for me till you've cried over me, until you love me, until I matter to you, till you understand my pain, until you can't breathe because I'm hurting, until you're sick because I'm sick, because you're worried because I'm down. You cannot intercede until you can be touched by the feeling of my infirmity. When you care, you can move things and God will answer. What do you have the power to change? I'll tell you easily. You have the power to change what you care about, what you cry about, what you walk the floor about, what bothers you, what stirs your emotions when you talk about it, what would make you go out of your way to see a change. The other stuff, you're just being religious. You're just being religious and sanctimonious. But the thing that'll make you leave the house and come all the way down the coast crying and worried about it, the thing that disrupts your life because it is broken, that is the thing you have the power to heal. What in your life disrupts your life if it's broken? Because my challenge to you this morning is that thing that hurts you the most, you have the greatest power to heal the most. Join hands with somebody who's got something to lose. My wife is one of the sweetest calmest, classiest individuals I have ever met in my life, bar none. I mean, when you're not around, at home, if my wife gets up to go to the restroom at 3 o'clock in the morning, she gets up like a lady. She... I get up, I'm... <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's... It would shock you what I look like. She would just... I, I have seldom heard, heard her raise her voice in 33 years. I learned that she can be soft-spoken, but she's still adamant. The few times I have seen her turn into somebody I did not know, the few times I have seen her nostrils flare and her go into her Sumerai warrior position. The few times I have seen her jump in front of grown men and put up her hands to fight. I mean physically fight. Then she got in between me and another grown man. 
and said, don't you say that to him. She, she was up on him like, come here, I'll knock you. 33 years, I figured out something. The only thing that really ignites her to fight is when you mess with something she loves. When you mess with something my wife loves, she turns and she would knock Mike Tyson plumb out. I would put my money on Sarita every time. She would knock him cold over something she loves. What do you love? What do you love? What will you fight for? What will you leave the house to get it fixed? What will you withstand insults over? Being ignored over, he answered her not a word. Being called a dog over, yeah, I'm a dog. What would drive you over top of it? When the passion on the inside becomes greater than the obstacle on the outside, you will always win. What the enemy tries to do is take away your passion to make you go numb, to make you think that your heart is your weakness, to make you afraid to love. Because if he can take away your passion and take away your caring, He's taking away your power. You're just a box running around in a suit or a dress or a scarf. You've lost your ability to see the miracles because your problems have made you numb. When you can cry again and fight again and overcome obstacles and climb over barriers and say, I still want it. I still believe in love. I've been hurt, but I still believe. I still believe in you. I, I know you hurt me. You just, I still believe. That's power. And if I was the enemy and I wanted to render you powerless, I would make you careless. Because if you don't care, you can't change. Amen. Amen. Squeeze a person's hand, you're touching. There's something they care about. For every crisis in this room, all you need is a crumb. Now, I know you might be tired and I know you may be frustrated and I know you may dis be disappointed. And you may have tried and tried and tried and things went wrong. And the enemy of this world is trying to get you to go back home without what you came to get. But God didn't want you to get this close and not catch a crumb. Since you're this close and food is everywhere and bread is being passed up and down the table. Up and down your road, people are just snatching loaves of bread right now. And maybe you don't know how to catch a loaf, but if you can catch a crumb, a crumb would set you free. A crumb would heal your mind. A crumb would bring you out of depression. A crumb would put your life back together again. For every crisis, my brothers and sisters, God always sends a crumb. 
the person you're touching has a crisis. They may have wrestled with it. They may have raised it. They may have married it. They may have hired it. They may have started it or built it. And now they're having trouble with it. Their business might be in a crisis. Their job might be in a crisis. Their emotions, their mind, their marriage, their children might be in a crisis. But would you just squeeze their hand and let them know you're not in the crisis by yourself? You're, you're, you're not in the crisis by yourself. I got a crisis too. I got up out of bed this morning in spite of a crisis. I drove over to the church in spite of a crisis. When I get back home, I got a crisis to deal with. When I go to work Monday, I got a crisis to deal with. When I go visit my parents, I got a crisis to deal with. I got a crisis going on in my neighborhood right now. And that's why I need my faith like I never needed it before. Squeeze that hand. We're, we're better together than we are apart. When we make connections, things begin to happen. The person you're touching right now needs a crumb. We need a word from you. If we don't hear from you, what shall we do? There are some things going on in my life right now that, that I can't fix without you. You see, Lord, it's kind of complicated. And I would explain it if I understood it, but I can't understand it. And all I can tell you is, help me. Help me. I need some help with this. I need some help. I have raised myself. I need some help. I never saw nothing like this before. I need, I need, Lord, I need help, help, help. I'm running out of time. I'm getting older. I need help. I'm past the deadline. I need help, help, help. The person you're touching needs help from God. But I've got good news. The crumbs are falling. The crumbs are falling. The crumbs are falling like rain. They're falling all over this room like rain. He's prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He's anointed your head with oil and your cup is about to run over the crumbs. The crumbs are falling. Nobody can open your mouth but you, but the crumbs are falling. The crumbs are falling this morning. The crumbs, and if you're hungry, I mean if you're really hungry, if you're really hungry, if you really care, if you really care, open your mouth. Open your mouth to God. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. Open your mouth for your child, for your future, for your situation.
for whatever you've been walking the floor about at night. God is sending a word to you right now. Squeeze that hand and do like the woman did. Just worship him. Just worship him. Just worship him. Come on, praise him. Just worship him. Just worship him. Just worship him. Father, in the sanctity of this moment, in the quietness of your grace, in the midst of convoluted promises and broken dreams and catastrophic, unspoken events seen and unseen, we stagger to the altar. You are the substratum of our cure. You are the antidote to the dis-ease within us. Before the disease takes over, give us the cure. Strengthen every heart in this room. The person I'm touching needs you. And I want you to bless them, that's why I'm touching them. But I'm not touching them like I don't need it to. So while you're blessing the person I touch, Lord, would you, would you bless me too? Sometimes I'm standing because it's me in the need of prayer. And sometimes I'm standing for somebody I love. There's something I love or something I started that I can't finish. Something that I began is not complete. My little girl, my little job, my little life, my little career, my little company. I raised it up to here and, and I'm about to lose it. 
speak to me this morning. Father, I pray that hearts would be strengthened and minds would be strengthened and lives would be changed. All around the world, there are people watching us right now. Some across the state and some across the waters are watching us right now dealing with crisis seen and unseen. They didn't know that when they logged on to this service that they were stepping into a field of miracles, a land of dreams, a place where impossibilities become possible. This is a place where faith germinates. This is a place where fear liquidates. This, this is a place where ambition is peeled back. Submission is revved up. And we say yes to your purpose and to your way. As we come near the close of this service, everybody's going to give something. Some will give stuff and substance and tithes and offerings and seeds of faith. And some will simply give themselves the greatest gift of all. But none of us will outgive you. You gave your utmost. You gave your best. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that those that need to be convicted to give their life, that they would do that. That those that have been convicted would sow so that other people would have an opportunity to hear this word, this message, this ministry, this place of worship would be sustained and that the work of God would go forward. I pray that not one person would leave this room. I'd like for you to give them a loaf. But if you can't give them a loaf, for God's sake, give them a crumb. Thank you for what you're doing in the balcony. Thank you for what you're doing in the overflow. Thank you for what you're doing in the children's church. Thank you for what you're doing in the young adult ministry. Thank you for what you're doing in the youth ministry. Thank you for what you're doing in our families, in our hearts, in our ministry. Thank you that you gave us a Sunday to wag our tails and sit at, our, sit at the table around your knees and catch the crumbs that fall from the master's table. We aren't anybody special or perfect or holy or amazing. You said it right. We're dogs. In some way, we have all been dogs. But even the dogs can eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Let it fall this Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Give him your best. Give him your best, church. Give him your best.